0: So the church has Palm Sunday where we come in and we wave the palms and we celebrate the coming of the Christ and that he's going to come. So that happened two weeks ago. And I've been in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and I've watched and been a part of a crowd of 20 some thousand crossing over the bump of Mount of Olives down in the Garden of Gethsemane up into the East Gate in the city and to watch people excited about it. And then it was less than a week later where they looked at him and they said, you know, given the choice, we'll take Barabbas. Uh, So give us Barabbas, kill this guy called the Christ and Pontius Pilate wipes his hands of it, sends him to the cross. Um, and they crucify him. That's last week. Uh, And then on Sunday, God shows up and says, no, no, I win. We're going to raise him from the dead and we have the resurrection. So the first one, we have the power of Jesus because the world wants a savior. The second one is we have the power of God because God comes into our lives because we need redemption. And I love how Pastor Doug set it up is that we would do the power and the glory, not just leading up to Easter, but the big question then after that is, okay, now what? Now what? Okay, what do we do? I mean, we had Palm Sunday, we had Resurrection Sunday, and then the next week, what do we do? We get the church. We get the church. And this morning, we're going to look at the Word of God, and we're going to see how God empowered His church to be His witness in the world. So bow your heads with me, and let's pray that God would anoint us, Lord. Each of us are here asking not just that we would hear the Word, but that we would hear Your Word coming through your Holy Spirit into our lives. We open ourselves up to you. We pray your protective grace around us, all who are watching online this morning, Lord, that you would speak an anointing over the body of Christ and that we would hear your word and that you would grip us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, church said amen. 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 So you have Palm Sunday, then you have Resurrection Sunday, and then you have Now What Sunday. And you got to remember this is that Peter's one of those guys that's in all of this. So Peter's the guy at the beginning who starts out with, hey, I'm with you. I never deny you. Cock goes three times. He goes, I don't know who the guy is. And he runs for his life, right? And then you come after that and you meet the disciples. Where are the disciples? In John chapter 21, you realize the disciples are what? They're in the Galilee. They all went home, right? Peter had a fishing franchise. And so what did he do? He went, well, I guess that didn't work. Go back to the fishing. Right? It doesn't work. Figure it out. Go guy, you know, go buy a Bud Light and go up to the Galilee and we're gonna fish again. Right? That's what happened. So he's up there fishing again because he didn't know what was next. And then we encounter the story and we meet up with that story, and it's a beautiful one. And I want you to see part of it here. But before I tell you the story, I want you to see something is that they put all their trust in Christ, which is what we're called to do. But Christ went back to heaven, he left. When I was a kid, we lived in Germany as a kid. My mom was German, my dad was American. When I was 13, we moved to the States, and we moved from a a college town in Germany called Heidelberg to a little town in Oklahoma called Clinton, Oklahoma. So Clinton, Oklahoma, 8,500 people, a little ranching station, a lot of red winter wheat grown there in Clinton, Oklahoma. So the first thing I ever learned to drive is a John Deere 4020 tractor. Okay? So I get a John Deere 4020 tractor, and in farm parlance, that's a, that's a yard tractor, right? You're driving around, you're bringing bales of hay in with it, you know all those things, and you can't mess too much up with a John Deere 4020. But then after that, you go to a John Deere 4420, which is what my uncle had, and it has those two big wheels on the back and still two small wheels on the front. And I remember my uncle is teaching me how to drive this tractor, and he says to me, he turns around and looks at me, and I think of Jesus leaving the disciples, right? And he says, Okay, Harv, I've shown you how to do it. Go do it. He gets out of the tractor. Now, if you've ever been in a tractor, anybody anybody ever driven a tractor? Raise your hand. Let me see the tractor people. God bless you, man. My people right out there, right? Got your trucker hat on. Got your tractor going. You got a little bit of, you know, Def Leppard on the radio. And here we are, right? So Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, or Blackheads, or whoever they are. (laughs) So So here we are doing this thing, and my uncle is teaching me, and how do you learn to drive a tractor? The guy who knows how to drive sits right here. The guy who doesn't know how to drive, what you do is you put the armrest down, and he sits right there, like, you know, in a weird spot. So it is a weird thing to be in Oklahoma with two guys sitting that close to each other. You know what I'm saying, okay? (laughs) Okay. So you're sitting in this tractor, and you're learning how to drive. My uncle gets out of this John Deere 4040 4420 tractor. He's leaving. I've got my foot on the clutch. Why I had it in gear while he was getting out, I have no idea. Stupid move number one. Fair. Okay? So he's getting out. The door won't shut. He's standing on that little bitty step that's right there. It's just a little piece of metal, and he's standing on the step, and he's holding onto that rail. I go to pull the door, and I got my foot on the clutch, and as I go to pull the door, I pop the clutch, pop a wheelie, and my uncle is holding on like a rag doll. And I say to him, Uncle Bill, I didn't mean to do that. And he said, Son, if you meant to do that, you wouldn't work for me anymore. He said that. I swear he said that. So I go from a 40-20-yard tractor to a 44-20 tractor, and my first start is I pop a wheelie while he's getting off after he says, you got this. And I go, yeah, I got this. So then he puts me in the John Deere 84-40 tractor, which is one of those that's got four big tires in the back, four big tires in the front, and it's an articulating tractor. Okay, And so what it does is, is that this tractor is made to pull. Okay, It's a huge tractor. So I learned and grown and grown and grown. And I get up to the John Deere 8440 tractor. Now, let me give you a little bit of Oklahoma for a second, okay? So there's a dirt road right here, and the road comes down the hill. And then as it comes down the hill, it takes a turn to the west. My dad was born and grew up on that piece of ground right here, okay? So that was the Friesen Farm, okay? The Heidebrites owned the farm on this side, and UFA owned the farm on this side, okay? Got to love these names, right? So my uncle is training me. I'm on the John Deere 8440. The first, tra- the first field I come into is opposite the field. They're cutting wheat on this side. So think of all this big field over here with, with combines and trucks and a grain cart and, you know, all my cousins and uncle and everybody and the other uncle. I pull into the field, the John Deere 8440. You got this, Harv? Oh, I got it, you know. I get in there. The first thing I do is I line it up. I look forward. I look back. I look forward. And I don't know how your mind works, but I can still see this happen. And I turn around. And as I look back, I see that chisel plow digging in the ground, just like he told me how to set it. We had the preset in there. You jam it up to the preset. You're in A4 in the tractor. It's pulling hard. I look back and I clip a telephone pole and funk. So I knew enough to where I popped the clutch, threw it out of gear, and I put my hands up, and I looked like, you know, the kid in Karate Kid with my feet up my sand. I'm like, I'm going to get fried right here because I thought it was a power line. Over the, over the CB radio, that'll date you. <laughs> he didn't text me, for the millennial who spoke just a moment ago, on the CB radio so everybody with a CB radio could hear. He goes, sounds like Ufa's not going to be making phone calls this week, is she, Harv? Because I took out the, her line that was her phone line to her house. When the church started, that's exactly how the church started. You got this? You got it? You good? You go, oh yeah, we're good. Everybody ran for their life. <laughs> Everybody ran for their life. Everybody said, you know him? Now. I don't know him. And they, went, di- they did what? They went back to fishing. If you have ever had any connection with Asian culture, Harvey's beginning of tractor driving would be what they call an inauspicious start. The church had an inauspicious start as well. But we recover. And how do we recover? It's the Holy Spirit of God that comes into our lives. I want to show you, and I've given you the handout. So it's handout Harvey, right? So you got those on the seats. If you don't have one, there's some extra ones laying around. If you're online, they're right there on the front of the church website. All You do is click that PDF. You've got it right there. Church notes are in the church app as well. But you need to see something. When Uncle Bill... Who was all the 5'11, six foot, 170 pounds, soaking wet, when Uncle Bill always had a toothpick in his mouth. I mean, it was just the stereotype, the good man. I mean, what a good man. In that, what he was trying to do was give me his experience. See that? He sat in that tractor right next to me, teaching me everything he knew how. And here's what he realized he couldn't plow. The guy had 3,000 acres of hard red winter wheat, he could not run that farm by himself. So he knew he needed to take what he knew and pour it into guys like me in really expensive green equipment and hope it worked out. That's exactly what Jesus did when he started the church is that he poured himself into his guys and then when he left, he did something Uncle Bill couldn't do and that was he gave a church, the church, his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God came down over the church, and we're going to watch how that happened. But before we get there, I want you to see a progression. God is a God of order. God knew what he was doing. Sometimes we get into the New Testament church, and we just do New Testament. And what we forget is that God was doing this long before. Uncle Bill was farming long before Harv got off of a plane in New Jersey in 1979, okay? Okay. He knew what he was doing. I want you to see a progression of what God did in his church, and it's on your sheet of paper there, and that is is that the Jewish holy days and their meaning have significance for exactly how it works in the body of Christ. Look at how these work. Okay, there's a little triptych, right? The first piece is Purim, then Pesach, then Pentecost, right? In the Hebrew, it obviously doesn't start in P's with all of them, but it's Purim. Pesach and Pentecost and what these are is is that Purim is when Esther anybody ever read the book of Esther what happens is is that God saves the people of uh, his people from annihilation there wasn't just a holocaust of what happened in the 1940s the people of God the Jews had been running for their life for forever you guys realize there's only 14 million Jews in the world right You, you you know that they're the same number of people that live in the LA basin is the entirety of how many Jewish people there are in the entire world. That's it. A minuscule number of 8 billion people, 14 million. They were trying to be annihilated by, by a king. Esther stood in, and what they, what they celebrate on Purim, and I was there last month, is they celebrate that God saved his people by someone who took a stand. We celebrate Jesus, who saved, came to save his people by doing what? Taking a stand, right? The power of Jesus, Pastor Doug preached that sermon on, on Palm Sunday. Pesach was the following week. And in Pesach, what you have with it is you have Passover. And what does Passover celebrate? Passover celebrates that during their time in captivity in Egypt, God passed over the people of God and didn't allow the plagues to hit their lives. Okay, And the first one, that were, the one that was really big was, is that when the death angel came over, it passed over those children and they were saved. Give any kind of a picture to you, the fact that Jesus Christ defeated death so that death wouldn't scare us. Jesus was doing for us, he became the true what? The Pesach, or Passover, Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. Remember when John said that to to Jesus? Now we have the power of the resurrection. Then the third one that comes on, and that's this Sunday, and that is, is that now what? Now what is? We have Pentecost. Pentecost. And what was Pentecost? 50 days, 5-0, 50 days exactly after you had Pesach or Passover, they would celebrate the Torah, the giving of the word of God, the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And every Jew knows that those five, five books, they're on the scrolls, they represent how God interacted and built his people. It's where God chose his people. It's where Abraham comes out of Ur and Abram comes out and becomes Abraham, the the patriarch, if you will, of the entire Jewish faith, right? That celebratory, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All that happens in the Torah. Now, understand something about Jesus dying for a second. So I'm trying to put Easter into context because sometimes we go, Easter, man, it was really great. We had a new new outfit and we did all those sorts of things. Well, now what? The beauty is in the now what, you all. I mean, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is a beautiful day. But the now what is the big deal because now what affects your life? Now what in the church is exactly Uncle Bill getting out of that 4420 tractor and he goes, turns around, he goes, you got this kid? And I pop a wheel and go, yeah, we got it. That's an inauspicious start. God didn't have, didn't leave this up to chance. There's a very important thing for you should remember is a Jew would have come to Pesach and they would have made pilgrimage and they would have come from all over the known world to come to Passover. Not every year, but they would come on interspersed years, right? It was a big, big deal. And when they came, they stayed for Pentecost very often. Why? Because when they went back to Rome, when they went back to all their places, what happened was is that they wanted to celebrate the Passover high point, but they also wanted to celebrate that they had God's word when they left. We celebrate the resurrection, and what we celebrate is God's Holy Spirit lives in us for the rest. Let's look at the verse. Let's pick up up the the text in in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those times and dates, dates and times. They're not for you to know you got to love the disciples. It's just like Harvey, you know, pimple-faced Harvey on that John Deere 4420, right? Can I drive it now? Can I drive it now? Can I drive it now? But when Jesus is resurrected, they go, okay, and, and when do we win? And he goes, come on, kid. You don't know what you're asking. I'm not ready to share that yet. You are so focused on the temporal. Get your mind up above what the kingdom of God Church, hear this. We get so focused on the church that we forget the kingdom of God is so much bigger than the church. That's why we're focusing on it all year long. Celebrating God's kingdom is bigger than our lives. Uncle Bill didn't just need someone to drive a 4420. He needed to bring in 3,000 acres of hard red winter wheat and get it to the elevator. You see the difference? The kids focused on that tractor. Uncle Bill's trying to figure out how to make a life. The kingdom of God is bigger than just the church. Have a bigger mindset than just that. So he replied, the father alone. So verse 8, let's, let's look at verse 8 here for a second. So after he says this to him, he says, you want all the good stuff to happen. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. What's the work of the kingdom? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So he's saying, you don't just get the power, you will get the Holy Spirit. I will actually endow you with my experience. I'll hand over God into your lives. And you go, how does he do that? Hold on, we'll get to Acts chapter 2. And you will be my witnesses. Remember, these are the same guys that ran for their lives. He's going, I thought we were done with that. I mean, we're up here fishing now. You're saying that like they may come kill me too? right? They're hearing that. You need to hear what they heard. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be there in the city. You'll be in Judea. You'll be in the country. And you'll be in Samaria, in the country. And you'll go to the ends of the earth. When God said the ends of the earth in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he was talking about Garden City, Boise, Idaho. He was saying you would hear the gospel. This is a prophecy that's fulfilled in the fact you're hearing it today. You heard the gospel preached from Pastor Doug last week. Look at verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Verse 10, uh, it's, it's really kind of, the, it, there's some humor in the verse, actually, if you look at it. As they strained to see him rising into heaven. I mean, they're looking going, you're, you're leaving again? How are we going to do this? We, I mean, the last time you left, after they killed you, we all ran for our lives. What are we going to do now? We're going to be your witnesses? You're gonna, we're set up to be killed next? Right? They were straining to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Verse 11, and here's a joke in, I think it's Men They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way he saw you saw him go. Guys, hear me on this. I mean, Easter is a beautiful day, but you need this week as much as you needed last week. You need to know how to live today, not just on the day when we celebrate the big thing. Now this day is, how do I go live my life? How then shall we live? What does life of faith look like? How do I go drive that tractor? How do I go plow that field? How do I go do my life? Well, we're going to study that. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see how God empowered them and gave them his experience. And then this notion is he gave them his Holy Spirit. An original line of mine. Uh, and I'll give, I mean, probably the only one I've had in my life. Experience. This is Oklahomaism, okay? So experience is a beautiful thing, except for how you come by it. Right? Experience is a beautiful thing, except for how you come by it. You pop clutches, you knock down telephone poles, you bust up a marriage, you break up a life, you bankrupt a business, you have a hard day. Experience is a beautiful thing, except for how you come by it, Right? And in the church, it started out with, God said, before you have any experience, you got to remember, these guys have no experience with doing church, right? They had no idea that someday, 2,000 years later, they're going to have to figure out how to do a VBS with the volunteers, right? They had no experience. So what is God going to do? He said, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. So let's look at Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues or a a fire that appeared and settled on each of them. Now here's a very important thing. When God does his work, you don't get to control it. Religion is you get to run it. You could say, God, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to show up for an hour on Sunday. It's going to be like this. The temperature in the room should be like this. We should have parking like this. We should have kids programs like this. We should have all like that. And there's nothing wrong with all those things. But here's, here's God is not interested in the chairs. Okay, newsflash, these chairs are not going to heaven. The chairs are going to hell. And the chairs are here every Sunday. But they're still going to hell. It's a layered thing, right? You got to stick with me, right? i right. here all week, right? You got it. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. It's not about being here. It's about having him in you. Is that you would have the spirit of the living God in you. When God showed up, there was a fire that flamed above their heads, and the people went, wow, that's unique. That's different. wonder what that's about. Now, there's a thing that happens in religion, and here's what happens. The moment something miraculous goes on with God, guys like me show up with slick suits, things in their ears, and they go, we could bottle and sell this stuff. I mean, dude, we could run a franchise, make the buns smaller, the meat, uh, sorry, the buns bigger and the meat a little bit smaller and every year squeeze another 3% out of you, right? Would you like to sign up? See, we can franchise church. We can franchise Jesus. We can run our own little shop here. That is not why God started the church. God did not start the church to get you or the chairs to show up. God did not start the church so that we would have a happy talk every week when we get together and we go, all right, we're gonna go out there and do it again. Here we go, Delbert. We're gonna get on that 8440, and we're gonna plow this field. Last year, last week we knocked down the posts. This week we're gonna do it right. That is, that's religion. God came along and said, "We are harvesting 3,000 acres of wheat. We've got a bigger thing we're doing. I want to live in you. I want to live in you. I sent Jesus." I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. Jesus actually said this. He said, it will be better for you that I go away so the Spirit of God will come over all of you. You need the Spirit of the living God to live in your life or you will not make it in the faith. Because you will have a religion, but you will not have a relationship, and it's a relationship that counts. The scariest words of the Bible... And when Jesus encounters the people in, in Matthew, it's recorded in Matthew 7, it's also spoken of in Matthew 25, where Jesus encounters the people, and, and they come to him and they go, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, which is a fancy word for preach, right? Didn't we speak here in your name? And then we do a few things like this, and we do this, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. See, there's a really tragic end to religion, because religion is us faking it with each other. Relationship is You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. I am a sinner and I need a resurrected Savior and I need the Spirit of God to empower my life so that his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do not live a day of your walk with God without the Holy Spirit in your life. You want him in your life. You want him empowering you. You want him as the cartilage between the bones in your knees. And you want him in the cartilage of your relationships that you have with other people. And you know that spot where you just get so stuck with everybody? Right there at that moment, the first thing, pray, Lord, come into this moment. Lord, help me figure out how to make it through this week. Lord, help me to figure out how to mend this broken relationship. Lord, help me to be there because I need you in there. And God does it with power if you're willing to be open to him. See, today's question is this. Jesus died, he raised from the dead, now what? Now what is, ask him to lead your life. Ask him to guide your life. Ask that Holy Spirit of God to come in and to give you the power and give him the glory. See, that's the equation. I'm a math guy, right? And I I see this math equation. When God gives me the power, I give God the glory. When I operate in my power, which is called religion, I get the glory. See that? God shares anything of his kingdom with any of us except for one thing. God will not share the glory. God will not share the glory. The glory is his, and the power is on offer to you. So let's keep reading in the text. I think we're in verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So all of a sudden, God does something that nobody can control. Verse 5, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. So now we get context. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes over these guys, they were there, they're, you know, they're, they're that driving their tractor for the very first time, and here they are doing it. And what does God do? God powers them with the Spirit, and they begin speaking in other tongues. Now, I know the church gets all wound up about this whole idea. If God comes over you and, and he's running your life, there are things that he can do that you can't be in charge of. The great mistake you and I make is we make God as small as us. If God can't cause you to speak in another language and do something miraculous that's as simple as that, then you have said, God, you're about as big as I am. And if God is only as big as you are, then here, catch this, then you have no hope for your life. You ought to be going to the church of Harvey. You ought to be going to the church of Leroy. You ought to be going to the church of Susan. You ought to be going to the church of you, which is what most people are doing. Atheists, if they were really real, would never say, oh my God. Isn't it amazing how atheists have coined the phrase, oh my God, shouldn't they say, oh myself? (laughs) I mean, just straight up. If you don't believe, you should say, oh myself. But they still say, oh, my God. I mean, how, And that's crazy? Every person in New York who is not a believer goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, OMG, OMG. <laughs> say, at least be consistent. If you're going to the church of you, just go to the church of you. But if you're going to the church of God, you need the Holy Spirit of God to power your life. All these Jews are from all these different places. Catch what happened. God demonstrated his power by messing with their minds. God still does that. At that time, verse 6, let's see verse 6. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are from Galilee. So here are the disciples. All of a sudden, they start babbling in all these languages. So, so, wann du willst, wir können hier reden im Deutsch. Und wir können, ich bin ein Prediger, du bist die Leute in der Gemeinde. Wir können reden heute im Deutsch. Gott sei Dank. (laughs) Amen. Sag im Deutsch nicht. Amen. Amen. We don't say amen in German. We say amen in German. Come on, bro. Look, if we just wanted to speak another language, it'd be great. But you know what would happen is, if you weren't able to understand that language, you would not get it. God spoke to them in all their languages because God was building the church, and everybody there was from another land, and they didn't have a common language. And God said, "You know what? I'm going to have you all hear the gospel." God can do that. He's doing that now. You see him show up in places like Zimbabwe and you go, wow, the glory of God, it's beautiful. Because you let God have the power and let God God have the glory. That's what we need to do in our church in this place today. Let him have authority. So how can this be? They're all from Galilee. In other words, they said, this is incongruent. One of my favorite things, math major, right? I love that symbol, right? There's an equal sign with a a, no through it. It's not congruent. This was not congruent. Look at verse 8. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Well, where were they from? Let's see where they were all from. So the first miracle of the church that happens in the body of Christ is, here we are, we're Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, verse 10. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and we are from the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, they are from everywhere in the world, verse Verse 11 both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and the Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. God begins to speak to them the way they can hear it. You know what that means in modern-day America? We all speak English here, right? So at least some form of it, right? As so well we're speaking. You, you hear the words of God. Do you know what God is saying to you in your life? Do you know what God's word and will is for your life? See, it takes the Holy Spirit to interpret that for you. Everybody's trying to figure out what to do tomorrow. Followers of God have been taught to do this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I pray that in the mornings, I add this phrase. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, I don't know what this day holds. I've got a pretty strong manifest. I went to bed last night. Well, I was going to get ready for bed. I had all my stuff done, ready, packed, all those things together. At 10.28 last night, I get a text from British Airways that says your flight today to this afternoon is canceled. So my flight going to London this afternoon is canceled. So right before I'm going to bed, I get the news of uh, I'm going to have to scramble. Well, God knew what was going to go on. Can I show you a little picture of how faith works? So I'm supposed to be in Amman, Jordan tomorrow night, right? Not going to happen. Right? I could freak out, or I could also know that I could catch a 3.30 flight to Seattle this afternoon. I could catch the 5.15 flight to, uh, flight to Doha, connecting through Doha, go to Amman. I could catch the 5.50 flight going to Dubai, connecting to Amman. Or I could also catch the Lufthansa flight, and I could connect through Frankfurt. See, faith is the ability to know that God's in charge, also be working your life, and converge with saying, I will not freak out when things don't go away. I want them to go. See that? That's how life works. The Holy Spirit of God is the cartilage in everything that goes on. I'm not saying it always works out. Look, I may not make it there to Amon tomorrow night or tonight or whenever I'm supposed to get there. But why would I freak out if God's in charge? He knows where I need to be. You are facing those things in your life. The church started out that way, and God said, let me come in, and I will lead you, and I will guide you. In the early church, you've got to tip your hat to them, guys. They did it. Can I show you how they did it? Let's skip down into the story. So on your page, go to the bottom of the second side. There are three things that Jesus started the church to do. Number one is that the church will be the place where the Spirit of God is poured out. The Spirit of living God should be pouring out in our lives and in this church. And we should be doing that by saying, Lord, we welcome you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on my life as it is in heaven. Number two, the church exists to testify that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the one. He is the exalted one. Acts 4.12 says this. There's no other name that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus that saves you, Ron, on the back row, and it saves you, Allison, on the front row. It is the name of Jesus Christ. It's not our religion. It's not our activity. It's not our efforts. It is knowing Christ back there, here, up there, anywhere. Those of you online. It's knowing Christ in your life. And we are a testifier that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Then the third thing the church does is the power of Jesus flows to the church when we act according to his mission and his purpose. If I took Uncle Bill's 8440 tractor, which I've now knocked down the telephone pole and Yufa's not gonna call anybody for a week. And I say, you know what, Uncle Bill, the reason why... I knocked down that pole. You had me in the wrong field, and I should have been over here farming wherever I wanted. So I go over and farm Larry Abrams' farm, and I do his with Uncle Bill's equipment. Uncle Bill go, kid, don't you work for me? Don't you work for me? I mean, at some point. Is my timer up? <laughs> if, it, do you work for me? <laughs> Hear me, church. I'm going to go from preaching to meddling for a minute. You know what we have the audacity to do is we tell God how to run his church. We get in front of and we go, you ought to do this. You ought to do this. You ought to do this. And God said, well, wait, 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 wait. It's my tractor. It's my diesel. It's my ground. And you're going to take my tractor and drive it where you want to drive it? Aren't you his people? Aren't we his people? Brothers and sisters, hear me on this. I know we're Idahoans. I get that. We got a strong back. We came here because we're rough and tumble. We left, we left Colorado and California and all the other seas, right, and came here because we wanted to be, you know, just freedom-loving folk and all those kinds of things, right? And God's driving his church. Let him drive his church. It's his kingdom come. It's his will be done. And you are his church. I said to you last week, don't come here to church. Come here and be the church. You are the church. That family over there, you are the church. This family right here, you are the church. That single over there, you are the church. We're the body of Christ. Be his body. But hear me on this church. Don't take his tractor and farm somebody else's ground. He did this to build his church. What did the early church do? They met together. They shared with someone as they had need. They were generous with each other. They took meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. They invited the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders among them. They praised God together. They added to their number every day, number that were saved. They didn't really care whether the building was hot enough or cold enough. It wasn't their big idea about whether they liked the song or the sermon or the this or the whatever. They were in love with God so much that those things came in second place, not first place. God wants to be the leader and Lord of your life, friends. And he has a spirit ready to pour out into your life. But you have to give him space. You got to give him space. And the early church, when it started, they could do nothing but get out of the way and give them space. Now we have ability to articulate our own ideas about what we think God ought to do. Let the Lord lead your life. Let the Lord lead your life. Now, I want to finish a, a, a story for just a second. So, there, so she gave me permission to do that. So there's a, a lady in our church. She's a part of this really great uh, group, and they train and train and train and develop for this thing that they're doing. And I won't mention it, because I don't want to get It's a big, small town, right? I don't want to offend people. But... She was training and training and training, and then something came up where she couldn't participate in it uh, because I think she got sick or something like that happened, okay? And so she had worked with this group of people and they did all these things together. And when she couldn't be a part of this huge thing that they had trained a whole year for and they were gonna be prepared for, she texted the one person and said, hey, I'm not gonna be able to be a part of it. And they said, yeah, okay, no problem. Um, And then she's also a part of a ladies group in our church. It was about eight or nine or 10 ladies that are a part of this group. And all those ladies in that church, in that group, they texted her, they prayed with her, they encouraged her, they hurt with her. And, and, and she said, one of the leaders of the church, or, or the group, she said, you know, I trained and gave so much time and energy to this thing. We prepared and we studied and we did all these kinds of things and we did all the work. And when I couldn't participate, I realized they didn't even miss me. But you all who didn't train and weren't a part of that and didn't you prayed for me. You encouraged me. You walked with me. You, you heard from me. She said, you are the church to me. I come from Colorado, right? 30 years in Colorado. Lived in Boulder, Colorado, right? And, and, and I'm going to share something with you, right? Okay. All you Idahoans, this is your moment. Okay, you ready? This is your moment. Get to enjoy this. All you natives, right? I'm, 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 I'm not badgering you. Please don't hear me on that. But, here, but hear me on this. Is, we come in from other places, and, and you notice us, don't you? We drive a little different. We cut the line at Trader Joe's a little bit and go, oh, you were here. I didn't see you. I thought you were still looking at the gum. Right? Right? We have our little outside of Idaho isms, right? Where we kind of come in and kind of act like we run the place and own the place. You ever notice that native Idahoans have you kind of picked up on that a little bit? Some of you are gonna need to go to the chiropractor, you're nodding your head so hard, right? (laughs) And like that. All of us who've moved in, can I share something with you? You know the first thing that I've heard after people kind of like move into it, you know what they you know what they kind of say really? And what a lot of them think in their hearts? Don't come to Idaho and be fake. We're real here, right? We're just real people, right? When you sing song at the end of your words, we kind of sense you're fake. When you play that little game with us, you're kind of fake. Just be real. And I think if God was shouting at the church, he'd go, Why are you sing songing with me? Why are you playing games with me? Why are you faking it? I died so we could have a real relationship. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's be real. The church was started when the spirit of the living God came down on the people and it was real. You want to be in a place like that movie, that TV show Cheers, where somebody knows your name, right? Where someone has a relationship with you, who prays with you, has a real right uh, life following God, not trying to impress you with religion. We're not here trying to impress you with religion. We're not here trying to impress you with words. We're not trying. You know what we are? We're a group of people holding on to the love of Jesus Christ who saved us and redeemed us and who wants to lead us in life and we want to do it real together and have him lead us. And in that, we will do vacation Bible schools because why? Not because we need volunteers but because what? We want our kids to know Jesus. We want those littles to love the Lord. We want them to know his power. We want them to walk in his glory. We want them to share in his faith. Right? We want all those things because we want to be a real body of Christ. To do that, you need Palm Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and you need Pentecost Sunday. That's the church, friends. That is the church. And we encourage you to walk in and be open to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray and ask you that you would be as well maybe not an Oklahoman, maybe not a Coloradoan or a Californian or anything like that, but that you are one of those people that was mentioned earlier on in the text, and it says, even to the remotest parts of the earth, God loved you so much, he sent Christ for you in Boise, Idaho today to know Jesus and that you would know his resurrection and that you would know his power to go live your life. And you know what? The fight will figure out. It'll figure out because God's in charge of the kingdom and we're gonna walk in him. Can I get an Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the church that got started on that day with power and beauty and depth and goodness. And we thank you for the church that met today in that small village in Nigeria where the sisters and the brothers got together and they worshiped your name. We thank you for that small gathering that happened in Ecuador and that small gathering that happened in India and that small gathering that happened in Los Angeles right now and that one that's happening in New York and the gatherings that happen all over the world, that irrespective of culture, you are their God and you are speaking their language. Lord, speak your language to us today is what we're begging you for and that we would have the power of the resurrection to live it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Peace of God. We will see you again soon.